0: So we're in Luke chapter 4 tonight, I want to invite you to go ahead and turn there. I got a chance to eat uh, dinner tonight with uh, with Brother Al, Brother Craig, Brother John, they were telling me of a time that they went deer hunting with Pastor Brandon, I don't know if you've ever heard this story before, I'm not sure Pastor Brandon's ever heard this story before. <laughs> but they uh, got a chance to go deer hunting and all were, you know, out one, one on one hillside and all of a sudden there, sure enough, this huge buck comes into the, the daylight, and they all see it, and they all get so excited that at the exact same time, just, you know, sequence like a military brigade, they just lifted their guns at the same time, and boom, you know, shot rang out. Sure enough, that buck fell down. Well, they all started to make their way over to where the, the buck was, and as they looked down, there was only a, a single bullet hole there, and they thought, oh, great, well, who in the world you know, shot shot this deer. Who gets to claim credit for it? And they all started looking around. They had the same guns and the same bullets. About that time, the game warden showed up, and uh, they said, they said, warden, we we don't know who who got this. You know, who got this deer? We've been sort of arguing about it already, and don't know what happened." And um, the game warden looked down at the deer and he said, "Well, the the preacher shot the, the deer." I said, well, how do you know that? We all got the same guns. We got the same ammo. He said, well, you can see the bullet wound. He said, well, what are you talking about? He said, well, if you look there, it went in one ear and went out the other. So, uh, there you go. I need a... uh, uh, That's my story and I'm sticking to it. So, I have to start with a joke tonight because i got to be real honest with you. When we get into this passage, this is one of the most... Wonderful passages about the compassion, the unfailing deep compassion of Jesus Christ. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've never graduated out of needing that. And I've never graduated out of needing to remember it. And so would you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4, verse 38. We're going to be there in just a moment. We're continuing here our, our series on the gospel of Luke. You might remember that Luke has several emphases in going through his gospel. And one of those, or several of those that come out, uh, his, his, Jesus' compassion for the outcast, for the one who's not included in the group that Jesus brings into the group, for the one who shouldn't belong that Jesus causes to belong, we're going to see that tonight several times. You'll see Jesus' humanity brought out in the Gospel of Luke, his weariness, his emotion, that His divinity is in fully strong. He's, he's fully God and fully man, but oh, the window we gain into the physical strain and the emotional strain that Jesus goes through. We'll see some of that tonight as well. And we'll see just a beautiful picture uh, of our Savior. So let's look tonight in uh, Luke chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 38. Luke chapter 4, verse 38. I'm going to read through the end of the chapter, and then we're going to say a word of prayer together. And he, Jesus, arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who, had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Father, we thank you and we praise you that because of Jesus Christ, we can say as clearly as any in history that all my life you have been faithful, that Lord, in the midst of uh, darkness and pain and difficulty that we walk through, may we see the outstretched arm of the Lord Jesus, who in compassion and love has come to us not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And so, Lord, as the sun sets and the crowd gathers around the Lord Jesus, as the hours drag on, and as we in here find ourselves among them in some way, would you remind us in your softly spoken words through the Holy Spirit of the worth of Christ and the hope that is in Him. May you do that work in our hearts for your glory and for your sake and for your purposes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus is brought into Simon's house. I bet you have an idea who Simon is, right? This time it's not Simon the leper, it's Simon who will come to know as Simon Peter. And Simon Peter has a mother-in-law who is, uh, is at his home. It seemed like years ago, if you, if you were around in the 1990s, it seemed like everybody had a mother-in-law joke. Those have died down some now, but, uh, but Peter had concern for his mother-in-law. I've tended to show you a few pictures each night. I want to show you a few uh, tonight as well. If you were to go to Capernaum, you would see where is uh, said to be the house of Simon Peter, which is right beside the synagogue, and there's actually fairly significant uh, historical tradition to say that this very well could be the place uh, where Peter's home was. And so you see the synagogue there, Jesus having just been there could go right next door uh, to the house of Simon Peter and then the Sea of Galilee, of course, where he worked. If this was Simon Peter's house, then he was doing pretty good in, uh, in the fishing business from what we can tell and what we see. Today, there's actually a uh, Catholic church that sits over top of the foundation. Uh, you can see here the foundation that's there. Uh, in the 1980s, there was no Catholic church there then, so you could see the foundation, but nowadays uh, that is what is built over the site uh, so that if you're ever there, you would, you would uh, be able to see this and perhaps uh, see both sides of that, the old and the new. We see in this passage as well that Jesus withdraws to desolate places. I got to say, I'm, I'm like the Lord Jesus in the sense that if I'm going to relax, I'd rather go to the desolate place than the amusement park. I don't know if any of you in here are like that. Y'all can have Disney World. If I can just go to Hanging Rock, that's fine with me. Uh, somewhere I can go and I can be off, you know, on my own and, and recharge and Jesus... Needed to recharge and uh, we see him go to places that we're not told exact locations, but outside places where the people are going to chase him even there because of uh, the needs that are in their life. You know, we come to this passage today where Jesus begins with healing Simon's mother-in-law, and I've got five things for you tonight on these fill-in-the-blanks, but each one of them I feel like are just uh, hopefully really rich for you. As I was walking through this passage, each one of these resonated with me as well. So let's go ahead and go right to the first one, and that's this. And we have to remember there were multiple components to Simon's call to follow Jesus. For most of us, that's true as well, and that should give us patience in sharing Christ and praying for others. There were multiple components to Simon Peter's call to follow Jesus. You look in passages like John 1 and you'll see Andrew coming from hearing from John the Baptist that Jesus Christ is the one who's going to take away the sin of the world, that he's the Messiah, and he's going to go to his brother Simon Peter and said, we have found the Messiah. Come on, and and you can see him. We see that as being one step. You go into passages uh, like here in Luke 4 and 5, you're gonna see this initial meeting that Simon Peter is gonna have with the Lord Jesus that involves his mother-in-law. We're gonna see in Luke 5, in just a moment in brief, uh, a passage that I spoke on a few weeks ago about Simon Peter's face-to-face call with Jesus into being a fisher of men and not just someone uh, who stands in the background. And so there's this multi-stage call for Simon Peter. Isn't that true of a lot of us as well? For some of you in here, when you look back, you might be able to say, well, you know, the difference maker was one single moment and that was it. And that's where the Lord got a hold of me. For others of you in here, you're going to say, well, it was this person and it was that person and it was this other person and it was this moment and it was another moment. Now we come to faith in Christ in one moment, one trusting, one repenting and turning to him and trusting in what he's done. But doesn't it take a lot of stages sometimes that get us there. I, uh, I know Brandon and I were talking the other day about some of our uh, heroes, or one of our heroes, Adoniram Judson, uh, who is a uh, famous Baptist missionary, one of the first missionaries. He actually wasn't Baptist when he got on the boat and started heading across the ocean. He was so nervous about having to talk to William Carey uh, about infant baptism that he tried to read up on it in the Bible. And by the time he got to India, he was a Baptist. And so, uh, so he became a Baptist and had to write back to the mission board to say, thanks for supporting me. I'm now no longer a part of your denomination and I'm going to be a Baptist. But Adoniram Judson, uh, it took him seven years to reach the first person for Christ in Burma. And, uh, you know, it, it takes a long time sometimes for the Lord to work in people's life. And we see a multi-stage call for Simon Peter. I, I hope that's an encouragement for you. It's an encouragement for me. For the people that you're still praying for, that you want them to know Christ, for the ones who are in your life that you've shared and you've spoken and you've been intentional and you've loved and they're still somewhere on that journey, uh, you'd be reminded that Simon Peter had a multi-stage journey as well, that we need to be intentional and we need to be truthful, but the Lord's patient in that. Simon's house is here, his mother-in-law is ill with a high fever, Jesus comes and rebuked the fever. Some of you have been sick before, been rebuking how you were feeling, right? I think you, you walk through different kind of, you're just hoping that thing's going to leave and just get, you know, get away from you, but Jesus is in the midst here of of having true power over that fever and as he rebukes the fever, it left her and immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now I really like that because it reminds me of some times in my life, have you ever been so down or so sick or so going through a dark time that you just said, boy, if I get out of this, I'm gonna, you know, be so joyful, I'm gonna be so energetic or whatever it might be that as soon as she was out of that, she stood right up. She started serving everybody else there. I think that's a great reminder for us. That uh, that anytime we experience the goodness of God in a real way, that should compel us to to serve. That should move us into thankfulness, the kind of thankfulness that responds. You know, for some of us, if you're ever halfway sick, you know, you get out of being halfway sick and you say, well, I think I'm going to take it easy for a little while. You know, that was a little rough. But if you ever get to go through something really tough, you're so thankful to have energy again, aren't you? You're so thankful to have health again. You say, boy, Lord, I'm not going to get off my feet if I ever get a chance to get back on them. Simon's mother-in-law seemed to feel that way she got up and began to serve them so imagine for the Lord Jesus he's been through all that we looked at last week uh, with with healing a man in the synagogue that has got a demon and uh, all the stress that that must entail and then he goes to Simon's mother-in-law's or Simon Peter's house and his mother-in-law's there and he heals her and the sun's starting to set what do you start to feel when the sun starts to set who almost time for bed right We've got four kids at home. I tell you, sometimes we're praying for sunset. We're just ready. Lord, let us... My my youngest son, who's four years old, has a little clock that the moon comes on whenever it's time to go to bed. And we're just hoping for that moon. We're looking. We're waiting for it to click over, you know? Start getting to that point where you say, I'm ready for things to just kind of wind down. The sun starts to go down. And what starts to happen? People start showing up. You catch that? When the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. When I was in college at UNC Asheville, I remember being out on one of the roadways there on campus one day, and a man came by, and he said, hey, can you tell me how to get to the gymnasium? And as I looked at him through the window, I said, boy, that guy looks like Ric Flair. You know Ric Flair, the wrestler? Largest head I'd ever seen of anybody in my life. I guess all the the wrestling and everything else. And I got a chance to meet Ric Flair. And I said, hey, Rick, my name's Jonathan, and you don't care because you're Ric Flair, but just wanted to get a chance to meet you. (laughs) Can I I introduce you to a couple of my buddies? And and Rick said what a number of people who have to deal with that kind of thing all the time said. He said, well, I'm trying to spend some time with my family today. I'm sorry, I'm just going to head down here. I said, okay, I understand. When you're a celebrity, you just have to deal with stuff like that. And that was it. Jesus didn't act like that. He had a long day. He had much that was required of him. And as the sun starts to set and everything's supposed to wind down, all of a sudden, word starts to spread of Simon's mother-in-law who's been healed. And guess what happens? Every single person who's got anything wrong begins to show up. And they come from miles around. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. Do you know that Jesus didn't allow the demons even to declare the truth about him because the people of that day misunderstood what it meant for him to be the Son of God and misunderstood what it meant for him to be the Messiah so much that it was, it was not good for them to think he was the Messiah or the Son of God because they'd gotten it so twisted. The words had gotten moved around. Don't we live in that world too? A world that meant nothing 40 years ago now means something completely different. You can go through all long lists of those kind of things. But they had so misunderstood who he was and why he had come that he rebukes even the demons. Verse 42, and when it was day, doesn't look like he got any rest that night. He departed, went into a desolate place. The people sought him, came to him, would have kept him from leaving them. Just couldn't get away from him, could he? No matter where he went, they found him. He couldn't retreat, he couldn't get away, and yet in that he was compassionate, in that he had healed so many. The second thing that I've got for you tonight, we see Jesus' heart and how compassionately he heals in the midst of weariness and being unable to escape the people who are seeking him out. You ever had a time where you just said, if I could just be alone right now, but you couldn't get alone? Jesus had that more than any of us could ever imagine, I think. Those three years, just the constant uh, folks who were coming to him. And then the third thing that we see here is he goes on in verse 43, he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Number three, Jesus reminds the people that the need for the gospel is even larger than their perceived need for healing. I had a great uncle, Vernon, who's with the Lord now. He grew up in Stokesdale, and as a child, when he was born, uh, he was born with cerebral palsy, a fairly significant case of cerebral palsy. And in that, he was very limited in his ability to speak, his ability to move, his poor farm that they grew up on, the, the sisters would bring him in a little red wagon to church and have to wheel him in that way until a doctor at the church felt so bad for them that he had a collection taken up so that they could get a, an actual stroller and bring him in. And he would come in and in church he just loved to hear the music and to sing along as best he could, to hear the preaching and tears would just roll down his face each week. He loved the Lord all the way to the day of his death. But Vernon used to sit there and There was a song that got sung at the time back in the 1940s and 1950s, and every once in a while it would resound through the walls of that tiny church, and the, the chorus, the hymn went something like this, will I be a crippled boy in heaven? And the tears would begin to roll down Vernon's cheek even in a stronger way than they ever had before. That the reality that he knew that he lived in and the hope that he had was that someday he might be delivered. My great-grandparents took him to Oral Roberts Crusades and various things, and of course nothing ever came of that. But the idea of only I could bring him to the Lord Jesus. Imagine all these people in this town who all their hopes and all their dreams had finally been realized in the one person of Jesus Christ because they said, the one great need that I have is getting healed of what I'm dealing with. Imagine the medical needs that were there in a land with no medical technology like we would understand it to be. And it's amazing that into that, Jesus speaks this truth to them in verse 43. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. There are people in this world who walk through tremendous difficulty and tragedy, sickness, wrongdoing that they're facing that is not their fault, that they are vulnerable and they're a victim to somebody else's evil. We can go through a long list of how many difficulties people have to go through. And Jesus brings home that great truth for each one of us, despite whatever the hardest thing is in your life or the life of those you love, the gospel is a bigger need than resolution from whatever that problem is. And that's easy for us to say, but it's something that I think takes our entire lives lived out to be able to understand better and better. That the good news of Jesus Christ was a greater need for my great-uncle Vernon than even healing from what he faced. That the good news of Jesus Christ was more important. Many of you have gotten a chance to hear Johnny Erickson Tata, who has a famous ministry. She suffered a a paralyzation when she was a teenager, I believe, uh, diving into water that was very shallow. So many of you are aware of her ministry, but She often talks about how much her uh, malady brought us, uh, brought her into a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. I've heard her joke before, I can't wait to get to the Lord someday in heaven and to be able to thank Him for what I've had to go through. Uh, But I know that in heaven, I won't be in my wheelchair, she says, uh, because it's going to be in hell. That's what uh, she, she talks, that thing's not coming with me. It's not going to be there. I'm ready to get out of that thing. And for all the difficulty that anybody in in any any life has to go through, for your loved ones, for people that you know, for people we read about in the Scripture, there's a greater need that we understand the greatness and the worth and the goodness and the love and the compassion of Jesus Christ, that we trust in what He's done, and we take uh, the free gift of the gospel that He gives. That's a greater need than anything else than we ever, ever, ever face. Jesus reminds the people that the need for the gospel is Is even larger than their perceived need for healing. Now, Luke chapter 5, I spoke on a few weeks ago, so I'm not going to make you have to go through that again. I just want to look at a couple verses after I summarize uh, where we lead up to. So if you'd like to hear more on this, if you didn't get to, if you go into our sermon archive on our website and go to July 3rd, I think was the date I spoke on this passage. Love this passage of Simon Peter's call that he's out here. He's been up all night long. He's trying to just mend the nets and, and, and clean out the nets from the fishing they've done that's amounted to nothing. And it's then that Jesus calls him to get out in the boat. And I believe he calls him to do that so that when Jesus is speaking to the shore, Simon Peter's got a front row seat and he's going to have to pay attention to what Jesus is saying. And Jesus begins to give the gospel even then. And he calls on Peter to go back out and throw the nets in one more time. And you are familiar with the story, no doubt, many of you, that as he does this and he says, well, we've tried all night, we've caught nothing, surely this is not going to do any good. But since you say that, Lord, I'll I'll throw the the nets in the water. Sure enough, throws them in the water and they can barely reel in uh, the catch of fish, getting others to come over and help them as well. And it's then that Peter realizes There's something even more special about the Lord Jesus than I've realized yet. I I want you to turn your eyes over to um, to verse 8 of chapter 5. But when Simon Peter saw it, the miracle, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they'd taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on you'll be catching men. Archaeologically we have found, or I say we, I didn't have any role in it. (laughs) Society has found... Uh, th- those who are looking, one one uh, boat f- from the first century in the Sea of Galilee. This may very well have been the type of boat that Jesus would have been on uh, for this type of fishing. If you want to see what it may have looked like and it was done, this is a model that was done to sort of reconstruct from the bones of that boat uh, what it looked like. Uh, this is a what's called a photocrom image from the late 1800s of colorized black and white negative. And so uh, you can see here, even a little over a hundred years ago, there were folks fishing not too different than they were even in Jesus' time. And so Simon Peter out in the boat with Jesus gets a realization of Jesus. And the realization he has is good for the Lord Jesus, but that goodness of Jesus shines a light on his own brokenness and his own inadequacy, doesn't it? And Peter in a moment goes from being so excited To what's taken place, to then being moved to fall on his knees. He falls at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Number four, the closer we draw to Jesus, the more our inadequacy is revealed. And isn't it wonderful that Jesus' response is that we're not to fear? Isn't it wonderful that when we come to the Lord Jesus, And in the light of His glory and His grace and His light shining on the darkness on our own hearts and we see how much we don't deserve Him, how much we can't earn anything, how much we can't please Him with our own works and our own goodness, we can't do any of that. As we come before Him, the light that shines on us, we just realize, Lord, You're not going to want to be around me. And all the wonderful words of Jesus, don't be afraid. It's as if to say, I know. I know you're not worthy. That's why I'm here. That if any of us were worthy, then Jesus wouldn't have had to come and die on a cross, would he? The cross is a picture that there was no halfway salvation that we needed. We needed rescue completely all the way. Simon Peter, in the midst of realizing this about himself and being drawn closer to Jesus, is put on mission by Jesus. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. They brought their boats to land They left everything and followed him. And then one last story to close tonight. And I I can't begin to say how wonderfully powerful this story is. Verse 12, while Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. When I was a kid, my mother taught fifth grade. She used to show the chariot race from Ben-Hur. Y'all ever seen Ben-Hur before? The most most Oscars any movie had ever won until the Lord of the Rings Return of the King tied it, you know, some years later, Brandon, there you go. Had to get that in, I couldn't help it. But uh, but Ben-Hur, Charlton Heston's, you know, great epic. But you might remember in that story, Charlton Heston finds out that his sisters are part of a leper colony. He's told to go and look for them in the Valley of the Lepers. And that in essence is a death sentence, this little lower system of caves that they would lower food down on ropes and carts to be able to feed the people because they wouldn't go close to them. Because even in a world where no one knew anything about germs, bacteria, Nobody knew the value of soap or understood the contagiousness of diseases like we would. They understood if you got close to a leper, you were going to probably get leprosy. And they were scared to death so that the people, as many of you know, would have to shout unclean if they ever came in a place where regular people were. And so you get, that was one of the movies I think of that just has this gripping picture of the impact of leprosy on the ancient world and the way in which people were left almost just to to die. It was as if they were in living graves. They were just awaiting uh, that moment when their time would come and cut off from society completely. And it's then that we see this passage today where Jesus meets a man who comes to him and the way in which he heals him to me is so, so, so powerful. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. Leprosy is a word used in the Bible sometimes to describe a wide range of different skin diseases, not always what we call Hansen's disease now, leprosy. But if, if there was anybody in the Bible who had Hansen's disease, leprosy, it was this man. And we see the language here that's used to say full of leprosy. He didn't have a place on his arm. He wasn't sure what it really meant. I mean, this man was full of leprosy. And he comes to the Lord Jesus and he falls on his face and he begs him. I don't know about you, even before all the COVID stuff of the last few years, I was the kind of guy who liked to wash my hands. And when somebody was real sick, I just sort of backed up just a little bit. Some of y'all know, I've had, you know, culture through the years where all of a sudden you go up to greet somebody on a Sunday morning, and years ago it was more popular for somebody to come up to you, shake your hand, and you say, how you doing today? Say, well, I've been in bed sick all weekend, but I just had to get to church today. You think, well, boy, why'd you have to come shake my hand? I don't know how I feel about that. You know, can you imagine this man as a leper coming up to where they are and watching everybody else back up away from Jesus when they see this man? He comes at risk to his life to come into the presence of the Lord Jesus, and he falls down on his face and he begins to beg him. And he says, This Lord, if you will, or if you are willing, you can make me clean. Have you ever been so desperate and so in need when reaching out to the Lord that you don't even have the strength to ask for it? All you can do is just make a statement to say, Lord, I know if you wanted to do this, you could. He doesn't ask for healing. But he makes a statement acknowledging Jesus' power and Jesus' strength, and he says, Lord, I know that if you want to, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You can imagine this man who's been outcast perhaps for some time. Hansen's disease, leprosy, is usually a slow progression disease. So we don't know how many months, how many years this man has gone without a handshake, without a hug without a voice of someone he loved close to him in a close proximity and it's then that Jesus begins to heal him you know one thing about the lord jesus he can heal any way that he wants to can't he, he can st- he can do it with a word he can do it far off he can do it close up he can do it with his hands he can do it without his hands Mark chapter 8, we read of a man who he cleanses uh, his blindness, and as his blindness is cast away, he only partially heals him at first, and then he heals him completely. And if you read Mark 8, I believe that so we'd see that people were partially seeing Jesus, but they weren't fully seeing who he was. He had an intention in how he healed people. And this man, broken and on his face in front of him, Jesus doesn't just stand at a distance like perhaps I would be tempted to do and go, okay, you're healed. He doesn't do that. But for the man who's been without a hug and been without an embrace, without a loved one, without a tender word, he reaches out his hand and touches the man. And then I bet those disciples really backed up. that They really said, I've got something else I've got to do, Jesus. I'm going to be back after a while. Reaches out his hand and touches the man. And he makes this wonderful statement. I will, or the NIV and other English translations translated, I think, for meaning better, I, I believe. Because the phrase here doesn't mean I will as if I will do it, but it, I will as in it is my will or I am willing. You know, if you want to take and go through the pages of the entire Bible and you want to try to summarize God's message to man in three words, you cannot do better than Jesus' phrase to the leper I am willing. That the entire message of the Bible, the entire hope of human history, the entire interaction between God and man is summed up in the fact where we are unworthy, we are broken, we are diseased in the sin that we carry. Jesus Christ is willing. And so in the willingness of Jesus Christ, he says, be clean. And immediately, the leprosy left him. Hmm. I think for all the people who weren't quite sure about what they'd seen with a fever, what they had seen with demons coming out, what they had seen with fish being caught, for all of them who were a little bit on the fence of whether Jesus was who they thought he was, all of a sudden when the leprosy started to disappear from this man, they said, okay, wow, this is another level. I love the way that Luke couples this story with Simon Peter's declaration about himself. Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Jesus is not afraid of Simon Peter, and he's not afraid of the leper either. You know when I look at Luke 5, 12 and 13 and 14, I see myself. Do you see yourself there? Every single one of us come diseased with sin. You know, sin is not just a stain that we would hope to wash out and and get out. Sin is so deep within us that it is as if we are coming to the Lord Jesus with an incurable disease. Something that reaches down all the way to the core of who we are. And it's in that incurable disease of sin that Jesus doesn't just stand at a distance and call out, but through Christ, He's reached out His hand to us who didn't deserve to be touched Isaiah chapter 1, God speaking says, Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. All these red spots on this man begin to dry up and begin to go away and disappear. And maybe like Naaman, remember when he came out of the water in the Jordan River and it said he had the uh, the skin like a newborn baby that this man was better than he'd ever been before, and that's the way the Lord Jesus leaves all of us, doesn't he? Amen. When we come to faith in him, when we come to know him, there's no going back, and there's no wishing that somehow that wasn't the case, that he heals us from what we walk through spiritually, even if physically we face things that are tough. You know, when Mark gives this passage, he gives a, a, a phrase that's not included in Luke. Early church tradition tells us that Simon Peter was the major source For Mark's gospel, as Mark gives this passage, I'll I'll just read it and insert this, this phrase. Verse 12, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, reached out his hand and touched him. The Greek word there is splognon. It quite literally means bowels. We say, well, I'm not sure that translation is correct. Well, let me try to explain it to you. It was a word used to say Jesus felt something deep inside in the deepest places of where he was that resonated with the pity and the compassion that he had. It wasn't token pity. It wasn't surface level level pity. It was deep compassion and Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. And we're all that man. For each one of us, the Lord Jesus through Christ, or or Himself, that that God through Christ has reached out to humanity and placed His hand on us that we didn't deserve it, that we couldn't earn it, that we didn't… we came as as someone who was diseased and beyond help. And the great resounding cry of the gospel through eternity, more important than anything we face, but what resonates in the deepest places of our hearts, Jesus saying, I am willing. It's been said that, I forget who said it, but a phrase made once, Pastor, if you'll speak to hurting people, you'll never lack for an audience. If you're hurting tonight... Can you be encouraged by the fact that Jesus Christ is moved with compassion with whatever pain you walk in here with? And even in the distance that you have from the own difficulty and sin or whatever else it is that you're walking through tonight, would you be willing to remember that Jesus Christ extends His hand to you? Will you trust Him? Will you lean into that grace? You know, sometimes in church life, if we're not careful, we begin to think that the reason we're here is so that we can trust in the one who has come to modify our behavior so we can now understand what we didn't understand before. Or perhaps we can come to trust in the person who is the great thinker who has brought us knowledge that we didn't have before. Or perhaps we can come in and know the great person whose power is so much greater than any power we could ever have. Not necessarily are any of those things wrong, but can I tell you, the great need we have above and before any of the that is the great gracious one when we were guilty who's extended his hand to us and so for us the Lord Jesus in our sight has to grow more and more and more precious and it starts with his grace you remember the old Sunday school answer grace is getting what you don't deserve Mercy's not getting what you deserve that Jesus has not only extended mercy to us but grace as well will you enjoy that tonight will you remember it And will you allow the Lord Jesus to comfort you in any way that you need it? Would you pray with me tonight? Father, we thank you for the blessing of Jesus Christ. That all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to his own way. But you laid on him the iniquity of us all. That the disease that we carry, Jesus Christ took upon Himself. And He did it with outstretched arm and compassion and pity. Weary, exhausted, spent, and yet moved with compassion and love for a world that so desperately needed it. Father, thank you that Jesus Christ didn't simply come for all of us, but he came for each of us. And so, Lord, whatever way we need to know that like the leper on our knees, like Simon Peter on his knees, saying, Lord, if only you're willing, and Lord, you're going to want to go away from me. Father, may we be reminded of a Savior whose love is so gracious and so deep, that his hands and his words stretch out to us, even where we are. So, Lord, may we trust you. May we walk in the cleansing that only Jesus can do. And as you bring us along tenderly, step by step, Father, may we grow to trust you more, love you more, need you more, and know you more. We thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, and all God's people said, amen. Amen.